Hello, friends. Hello, brothers. This is Justin with Masonic Improvement with my latest installation in my free, uh, Faces of Freemasonry series. Uh, before we get started, I do want to point out uh, my little disclaimer, as always, that neither myself nor my guest are representative of our Grand Lodge or our Lodge. Our opinions are our own and are not necessarily those of either entity. That said, it is my pleasure to introduce uh, Brother Sean Rothberg. Uh, before, uh, Sean, before you get started, I do want to point out that Sean and I have only spoken briefly in the past. We had a, a short conversation a few days ago, and it reminded me of a uh, Masonic quote, and it is, uh, there are no strangers in Freemasonry, only friends you have not met yet. Uh, me and Sean hit it off pretty good, and so I have been very excited and looking forward to this. Sean? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Like I said, this is a, you know, we only spoke briefly and it was a really good conversation. And I wanted to, as much as I wanted to keep the conversation going, part mm -hmm. of me was also saying, you know, we need to hold this off because we were, we were it was one of those conversations where it could have, it could have went on for quite a while and I wanted to save it for the interview. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I really appreciate um, you coming on here, Sean. Thanks, Justin. So, Thanks for having me. So tell me a, a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm from Dallas, Texas. I'm 32 years old. I've been a Mason for six years. And I've held several offices at my lodge, Richardson 1214 in Richardson, Texas. And um, that's my Masonic part. Are you holding the offices right now? Uh, sadly, no. I stepped out of line just so I can focus on school because I'm at University of Texas at Dallas getting a bachelor's degree in English literature. Very cool. What's your goal so, with that? You're going to... Uh, my goal is eventually get my bachelor's, become a high school teacher mm -hmm. because apparently I have no brains because high school teachers don't have brains. <laughs> um, you know, I used to be a high school teacher, right? Oh, uh, <laughs> my condolences. My condolences. What subject? Do what? What subject? Uh, physics. My condolences. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was something all right. But you know, more power to you, especially now if you want to get an education with uh, it's just, you know, I, I stepped out about two years ago, and I couldn't imagine being a teacher this past school year, or and really not even knowing what the next year is going to be like, honestly. So. You know, my, uh, I have friends who are teachers. My next door neighbor is a high school science teacher, engineering. And it's a great, especially in right now, with the interview being in 2020, everything going on, teachers have, they, they have stability in, in their careers. You're, if you're a teacher, you can just move online. <clears throat> and that's, that's a great thing. Eventually, after my bachelor's, I'm looking and getting a master's in history of ideas with Holocaust certification mm -hmm. and uh, see where that goes, because I love to write. I love to read. And that's a great thing. So you bring up something that's interesting I hadn't considered before is that before before everything was kind of forced to be to be online. And I don't know the longevity of this, you know, how long we're going to have to do things online. But if we do in a foreseeable future normally if you want to teach you have to live pretty close to your school right right but really 
you know, if, if there's more stuff moving online, there's no, there's nothing stopping you from seeking out schools that are actually pay decently, decently for a teacher. Yeah. Just uh, teaching online from wherever. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. So um, tell me a little bit about what brought you to the fraternity. Uh, that's a funny story. So a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I was in a relationship and I broke up with her over religious differences. I am Jewish and I was heading toward the orthodoxy and she wasn't. <clears throat> and my, my dad was also a Mason. And I've always loved conspiracy theories. We all love them. Because mm -hmm. I used to think, because not think i thought i always thought they were stupid but they're fun to read about yeah. Earth is flat, reptilians all that fun stuff <laughs> um so i broke up with her and i wanted something to keep me occupied and i knew a guy uh my family has has a bar in richardson and we had a customer who was a past master of a lodge and he told me to come to his lodge so i looked it up and i saw it was two minutes from where I worked. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see where it is. Mm -hmm. And I went to that lodge. I saw cars. I walked in and everyone's like, oh, nice to meet you. So I uh, walked in and was welcome. I had my yarmulke on. I had the orthodox strings that are called sitzes mm -hmm. out. And yeah. So I joined and I told my dad about it and he says, awesome. So he was actually there for my EA degree. So it was a different, different lodge than your dad then? It was a different lodge. My dad was raised in James Ladd Burgess mm -hmm. and I was raised in Richardson. But when I was uh, eventually raised, my dad actually, uh, he was there. That's, so That's very cool. So you're a, does that mean, does that mean you're a second generation Mason or? I'm a t technically second generation raised Mason. Mm -hmm. My dad told me his dad, who I was named after, was an EA, but then go through to the raising. I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, still a Mason though, right? Still, well, EA, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. So that, uh, I have a question for you. And so, I have an answer. As far as, as the yarmulke goes, because I've seen this question asked before, but I never have seen the answer. And I know that this is just going to apply to Texas because every, every jurisdiction is different. But mm -hmm. as, far as, as far as wearing a yarmulke in Lodge, what's the... Uh... It does not conflict with anything. Okay. Uh, ritual hairdress is what it would be under. Mm -hmm. And uh, it does not conflict to the worshipful master. Okay. I didn't think it would, but I was always curious. So that's... that's... I was curious myself, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Because so, I didn't know, do I take it off? Do I show my horns? I mean, like, what about that? That's a, that's conspiracy theory. Yeah, <laughs> I used to follow. Um, I was actually a Freemason, uh, Freemason at this time, but I I followed quite a few conspiracies. I, I used to go to some of their forums, and it was entertaining. It was fun to read, you know. And some of it says pretty is pretty convincing, and then until they start tying it around to the Freemasons, like, wait a second, like we can't even we can't even agree on what color lights we want to use, you know. It's, we're definitely not. We can't even agree if we want to have mac and cheese or green beans for there a side dish. Or just which mix one, them together. I know that I know it's uh, down a whole rabbit hole. But which, <laughs> but which ones were you going on? Uh, the, the, which websites? Yeah. Um, 
because I know there was a big conspiracy theorist who passed away this year who lived in Austin, Tex Mars. Oh, was, uh, Jim Mars, right? He, it's his brother. Oh, his Teeks brother. Teeks or Tex, and he was uh, anti-Mason, anti-Jewish, anti-NWO, uh, anti-everything, unless it's Protestant, Evangelical, Christianity. See, I used to... Oh, so the website I used to go to, I assume mm-hmm. I could probably talk about it. I don't even know if it's still around anymore. It was abovetopsecret.com, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess his brother, Jim Mars. Yeah. Uh, that's the reason the name kind of rung a bell. He was actually banned from that website because he was posting. When, when, when his crap's too nutty to go on a website like that, you know, <laughs> you know he's nuts, right? And uh, now he was talking about the same thing. He was like, um, oh, there's like apparently – the craziest thing I ever heard was uh, the reptilians. They built a uh, a soul catcher on the moon. And that sounds like Scientology. Is it? No, it sounds I, like Scientology oh, with soul catcher and all that. I, I have no idea. And I'm just listening to this guy. He's, I mean, he he sounds like he believes it. And there's people that do believe it. But I guess I guess it keeps us from doing our 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 spiritual cycle or whatever. And, I, I I guess it's like a giant dream catcher or something. I have no idea. I don't know if you've had it, but I've actually walked out of a grocery store. And, and of course, as a Mason, we always have to have auto emblems all over our car. Obviously, yeah. Obviously. And I was walking out, and I unlocked my car, and the guy said, is this your car? I was like, yeah. Are you a Mason? Yeah. And just yelled the F word. And I was like, thank you. I've always wanted to meet you crazy people. That's, that's like a rite and of passage. Said, you worship the devil. And I went, Jewish. <laughs> and he's like, you don't know what you worship. And he kept going on and on. And I was like, thank you. I've always wanted to meet you people. And so, it so- was the thing. I mean, being raised and everything—that's a—that's a very important step in being a Freemason. But even being a past master, I mean, that's a—that's some people feel like that's a very significant step. But you haven't really earned your stripes until somebody flips you off and cusses you out in the parking lot for being a Freemason. That's—that's that's when you're—you are a hundred percent. You have—you have—you have earned it at that point. No, um, I had to post that on the Facebook groups and everything, and oh, they yeah? were like, "Oh, wait till you're like ten. 10 more years, 20 more years, and you'll get like two, three, and they'll keep adding up. Yeah. I, uh, I am one of those, one of those kind of guys where I don't, uh, I don't have anything in my car. For one, my wife hates stickers on the car. She doesn't want anything on the car anyway, but I don't, I don't have anything on my car and I don't even wear, well, there's a reason for it. I don't wear any rings or anything either. Uh, okay. mainly because they just don't, I have two and neither one of them fit me right now. And I just never got around to getting another one, but I've never really been big just because I, I don't know. I don't like drama and I know nutty people are dramatic. So I, I try to avoid them at all costs, you know, just kind of keep it low key. But, you know, I always thought it was interesting because you see it everywhere. If you ever go to uh, my channel, right. And you look at some of the comments, especially on some of the more popular videos, you, the nuts, the nut jobs really come out. I mean, they come out in force. And the biggest argument I've always seen is uh, um, 
yeah, kind of like what you're saying, like we're low level Masons, so we don't know what really goes on in fraternity. Uh, you don't actually find out until the 33rd degree what you've been really doing. Never mind that you can get, you know, 27 degrees in one or two days, and that's supposed to make like a huge difference in your life, you know, just getting bombarded by degrees. But the it's 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 the idea that, you know, just that one degree can make such a big difference. You know, you get this one honorary degree and all of a sudden everything just comes around full circle and you leave like this totally different person. It's just it's it's so absurd to me. It's it's I can't even I can't even put it in words like the 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 idiosity behind that. Well, well sorry to correct you, it's not the thirty third degree. It's the hundred eighty degree, three hundred and sixty yeah, I've seen I've seen some people say that before too. It's oh gosh, I don't. And, and I love it because I love conspiracy theories with being an Orthodox Jew and a Freemason. Mm-hmm. I have control over the government and the economy. Yeah, you just run everything, don't you? If that's true, then why did I get my community college? Why did I go to community college to get my associate's degree? And I'm at UTD. If I had control over the economy and the government, I'd be at Harvard or Yale right now on the free ride. You'd be running Harvard, right? Apparently. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I have run into my fair share of nuts, and it used to kind of bother me, and then it kind of offended me. But, like, I see the stuff on YouTube about the comments, and I find them amusing. I just, you know, the people like that on, on the line are harmless. But there are people that – they hate the fraternity, they hate the Freemasons, they would actually kind of like to see us hurt, you know, physically, you know, physical harm come to us. And uh, so that's why, that's why I'm always kind of low key about it because 99.999% of those guys, you know, they're just going to flip you off and, you know, they're, they're you know, they're, they're not going to do anything, but it's that 1%, that, that 0.001% that I don't want to run into. I don't want to risk it. Right. So I wanted to ask, you said you've been a Mason for six years, right? Six years, and I've held about four offices or five offices. Yeah, five. Five offices. And so you're 32. Uh, I'm 32 years old, and I'm also a 32nd degree. Oh, there so, you go. So there yeah. you go. Illuminati right there. Yeah, and I already paid off my dues this year for my scholarship right for the rest of my life, so I'm a lifetime member. Man, man. So you were 26 when you when you first stepped into Lodge then? Uh, physically 26. Physically 26. Mentally about 18. <laughs> I, mean, I was probably mentally eight when I got mine. But um, so the what, what I wanted to get, what I was getting to is how, compared to the rest of the membership at that time, were you, how how did you compare to them age-wise? Uh, I was actually the youngest one in Lodge. Okay. I thought and, so. Yeah, so uh, I was the youngest one, and <clears throat> so I was like a kid, mm-hmm. literally and physically, and everyone was just a lot older, either like double or triple my age, and it was – they just love seeing, of course – in lodges, we all love seeing new members. Mm-hmm. And it's not just new people. It's energetic new people. And when I joined, I, of course, you have to do the Q&A after you get your degree. Mm-hmm. And I work three, four times a week with members from my lodge. And since I have a bar, 
with pool tables and darts, there were actually pool players and dart players who had their A certificate or B certificate who helped me. So they would come over and we would play darts, shoot pool, do the whole Q&A, even have dinner mm-hmm. with uh, <laughs> maybe drinking some whiskey or scotch while going over that. Of course, my dad was there, so he sat down and he got to remember certain stuff. And I was actually got my fellow craft in about two, no, two and a half months, I think. I got my fellow craft. Very nice. Uh, yeah. Or a month and a half. I I don't know. I've slept in drinks since then. And then I, and I was, okay, a month and a half because I was raised in less than three months. Okay. And wow. dad at that time, he was raised in 1969. He was raised in three months. So I told him I beat him and he said, well, they changed the rules. So technically he beat me. <laughs> so we went back and forth on that. Yeah. That's really cool. So um, how did you feel when you finally got in? So I assume when you came in, you could still sit in the meetings as an EA or Philocraft, right? Yeah, they actually, I sat in each state meeting as one degree. Okay. All right. So based off your, your preconceived notions, kind of your expectations, how did, how did reality compare with that? What do you mean? So whatever someone thinks about the Freemasons when they're, when they're looking to join, you know, they have, they have certain ideas of probably what it's like and, and kind of ideas of what to expect once they get in. Oh, and, you hear the cool stuff. Yeah. I, I joined because I want, I wanted a social atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I wanted friends. I wanted to just expand as an introvert. I just wanted to be around people who I was never in the Greek fraternity I was never a popular kid, mm-hmm. but I had this chance to join an organization my dad was part of that I can, I checkmarked all the prerequisites. So I didn't go in for, I didn't learn about the charity first. Mm-hmm. I learned about the charitable Carter blood care and the hospitals later. Mm-hmm. I went in just as a friendship. So just meeting the brothers was just nice and enjoyable just being around them and you could get different um aspects of life from different people yes absolutely so you you were really attracted to the brotherhood aspect of of everything yeah that's very good and that's interesting you say you're introvert so did that did being introverted coming into the fraternity do you feel as though you've grown in that aspect um, I've grown through other means. Yeah. I, being in the brotherhood hasn't changed one way or another. Mm-hmm. It hasn't swayed me more extroverted or introverted. I grew up as a completely introverted person that used to be able to stay home for a whole week and not go out <laughs> and be okay. As long as I had my N64 and all my Pokemon games, I was completely covered. Yeah. Now I, now I walk outside just for fresh air. Even when it's snowing, I like have to get out. Mm-hmm. So just being around the brotherhood doesn't really change it, but it added a whole new aspect of 
you can be involved and you're welcome. Yeah. I was just curious because I, uh, I'm also very introverted, which you probably wouldn't, you wouldn't think since I'm very outspoken about the fraternity and things like that. Uh, in high school, I was also not very popular and I also was, was super quiet. Like I didn't, I didn't talk at all. Right. And going into the fraternity, um, I was still pretty introverted. Right. But mm -hmm. I would be asked from time to time to uh, just kind of fill in for the officers. And so I learned the part and, and, you know, I'd be a little nervous, you know, one or two sentences like, Oh man, this is really gonna, this is really kind of making me nervous, you know, and then I'd do it. And then you just, you just kind of grow in that aspect. Then before you know it, you're doing another office. And then you look back and like, when did I start talking so much? You know, so I, I didn't know if, if that had a, had the same effect on you or maybe like you said, you did other things, but kind of, kind of if now that I look at it as someone who, are you familiar with the Myers Briggs? Uh, remind me what that is. It sounds the four, the four letters. Oh, the like, personality test. Yeah. 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 So I've always done that since I was in middle school and I'm always an INFJ less than 1% or 2% or whatever the population. But I'm also severely ADD, ADHD, or something. I wasn't paying attention when they told me. So, yeah. um, so I talk a lot, but I'm also an introvert. So I understand. I'm an moron. So actually being a lodge made me kind of calm down when I have to be. Mm -hmm. Even though I talked fast and I did my, my memory work for my fellow craft in like less than five minutes. Mm -hmm. So I was just rambling. <laughs> um, but it just made me calm down. And it's, I had to almost stop and be like, okay, they have to talk. I get to talk in certain areas, but being a chaplain, my last officer actually made me really scared because okay. you're, you have to talk and I don't mind talking, but also my lodge is very particular on everyone seems to memorize their roles by the back of their hand. Mm -hmm. And I didn't memorize the prayers. And as an Orthodox in Judaism, all of our prayers are structured. They're not improvised. So I kind of tried making it like memorizing them, but I almost had to stop and read out and it was tough, but my highest regards to people who are chaplains now. <laughs> so that brings up kind of the, one of the big things I wanted to, to sort of ask about. Uh, actually, I have another thing you have to remind me if I forget, let me, let me write it down real quick. But being, being Jewish, tell me kind of, you're obviously going to have had a different, probably Masonic, the same journey, but I guess maybe a little bit different experience. Uh, mm -hmm. Just from, just from having a different um, perspective on everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just wanted to ask you about that kind of, how do you feel as, that your background as, as being Jewish, how do you feel as though that has impacted your Masonic journey so far? Excellent question. I would say there's been good side, there's been ups and downs. Mm -hmm. The the up is that you stand out like a sore thumb. And while everyone else is Christian, they go to First Methodist, First Baptist, all these churches, you're Jewish. So if they don't know 
everyone has heard about Jews. I mean, we've all seen Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments or the Prince of Egypt. Mm -hmm. I prefer the Prince of Egypt. Um, or the Rugrats Passover and Hanukkah specials. <laughs> <laughs> we watch them every year. Of course, they're going to... Luckily, my lodge actually has a Jewish Tanakh, a Jewish Bible mm -hmm. that I got to be sworn on. And it's a great one. It's actually the company's out of print. But it was interesting because they're like okay we can't have the christian bible we have luckily we have a jewish one and then you get asked questions like hanukkah and all this stuff because they will meet other jews who are masons mm -hmm. but for someone who's grown in the orthodox grew up reform and became orthodox it was a, they're like asking me like different stuff like oh you can't go saturday and if you observe the Sabbath, because that's Friday night to Saturday night, you can't do anything on Saturday. Oh, so interesting. But when I did stop being an observant Orthodox Jew, once a Jew, always a Jew, mm -hmm. for people who don't know, um, Scottish Rite, they do everything on Saturdays. All their degrees are on Saturdays. Yeah. When that I was not... When I was not Orthodox, when I was not observing the Sabbath, I got to go and see the Scotch Rite and get my degrees. And then I realized, wait, I won't be, once I start keeping the Sabbath again, I won't be able to finish them and see all of the degrees. Unless I visit another state that does the degrees on other days. Mm -hmm. To this day, I still would like them to do a Sunday stuff, but I know they won't. So being Jewish on that aspect of participating is a little, is an issue at times. I see. But I can't force Masonry to adapt to the minority of minorities of minorities. Um, but I did actually reach out to look up on Facebook, thank God for social media, um, Imagine if MySpace was still around. <laughs> um, but I looked on, and I was thinking, is there a Jewish Masons group? Mm -hmm. And I found two. I found one group called Jewish Freemasons with an apostrophe S. And I was like, uh, the spelling's a little off, but they're also Jewish Masons. And then I found a group called Orthodox Jewish Mason. And I joined both of them. And then I started my group called Jewish Freemasons with no apostrophe S. And I became close friends with the guy who is an ortho, who started Orthodox Jewish Mason, Shlomo. We became good friends. And I also advertised my group on other pages. And it started as Jew as Texas Jewish Freemasons. Mm -hmm. And I started allowing other Masons from different states and countries, Israel, Australia, Netherlands, all these others, I changed it to Jewish Freemasons. And I've started doing Zoom meetings with Shlomo from Orthodox Jewish Mason. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing Jewish Masonic talks every week. Very so interesting. really cool to talk about, like today, Psalm 133. Seeing the Jewish aspect, we had a brother give a whole talk on that. I actually got to meet a rabbi who lives in Australia, who's a Mason, 
and he gave a talk on King Solomon's Temple. Wow. That was a really, that was great. We had about 14 brothers tune in on that. That's really and, good. And thank God for him because it was like 9.30 in the morning for him and it was 6 p.m. for in Texas time, which is, of course, standard time. Yeah. Um, is, that a, is that a group or a page? It's a group. How many people would you say you have in, in your group now? 212 and counting. And how many of them... You told me something interesting about those statistics. So how many of them would you say are from different, like what country would you think the most of them are from? America. America. Okay. And um, like Shlomo, who does his Orthodox Jewish Mason, his is only for Orthodox Jewish Mason. Mm -hmm. I cater to Masons, to Jewish Masons who are Reformed, Conservative, Orthodox, or twice a year Jews, which is going Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So we, we cater to different backgrounds, but Shlomo and I are both what you would consider orthodox, mm -hmm. but we, we always tune, we always collaborate every week to give a talk and it's a great thing. Like I gave a talk on just conspiracy theories of Jewish and, Fre and Freemasons and we talked for like two hours. Yeah. And we would talk about different things like Shlomo gave a virtual tour of the Grand Lodge in New York, which was really cool to see. Um, we talked about different aprons and some, it's just having brothers who are in the same faith together. Yeah. And when I advertised originally on other groups, of course there was a debate. Why should you let why should you have a group where you should only be of the same faith? Because the big machlokis, which is Yiddish for debate, is Masons are not supposed to talk religion. Mm -hmm. But the argument on the other opposing side is if you have a group and you're catering to certain types of Masons that feel kind of left out, yeah, Muslim, Catholic, Jewish, black masons who are not prince hall mm -hmm. that's okay because you're kind of catering to a niche within a niche and there and there were some masons who felt kind of left out but we all talked and they felt left out there's literally countless other or groups that can join if they they felt left out because they weren't in the, yeah. in the in the jewish conversations and and like my questions whenever you join Whenever you join Masonic groups, there's always questions they ask you before you join. Mm -hmm. What lodge or what's the symbol for the Master Mason degree? Stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, for Jewish Masonic groups, we ask Jewish questions and Masonic questions to make sure you're both. I see. And every, probably every quarter of a year, I'll get two or three who are part of that Illuminati yeah. Have you ever heard of um, affiliated lodges? Yeah. There's, there's been some conversation about it. So, like, um, for those that don't know that are watching this, um, some countries, some jurisdictions, they have – I'm pretty sure they call like, affiliate lodges. And that's lodges for people with common backgrounds. You know, so there might be, a like, a, like a college lodge where it's on, the, on, a, on a campus and you have to be in that college to, to go there. Or there might be – like, for police officers, there might be a lodge just for police yeah. officers. And, and, of course, here in Texas, they don't necessarily like that idea. 
but really i don't see any harm in that and i don't and really to you're not even talking about lodge you're just talking about a group so why a group yeah why would that be people you have brothers with with a common experience you know common background a common faith and and what's the harm in them getting together and discussing freemasonry through that perspective because other people who are not jewish want to hear from the jewish like they love the esotericism yeah that's that's what a lot of people love about masonry Mm -hmm. they love diving deep in albert pike manly p hall all these other esotericism and get into the gist of like the kabbalistic but the thing is in judaism whether you know hebrew or not most jews can read hebrew Mm-hmm. And we can understand it through the natural script. And people get, excuse my language, pissed off mm-hmm. if we don't share that information or they have to read it on themselves. See, I was, that was actually something I wanted to ask you about is I have tried numerous times to uh, study Kabbalah, like Kabbalah, but um, there is, there is that barrier, you know, it's, it's from a very uh, Hebrew background, you know, mm-hmm. and unless you have some basic familiarity with it, I mean, of course, I know that there's like um, people have looked at it like in Christian lenses and there's a, a kind of a Muslim perspective on it and everything, but you still have that, that, that source, you know, the, the Hebrew source behind it. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know if you had any interest in esoteric or anything like that, or if you had studied Kabbalah or anything of the sort, and if it had maybe maybe you didn't experience that. I know it's a very deep topic. I mean, for anybody, even people familiar with, with the Hebrew language is probably, you know, it's still a rabbit hole that takes, you know, years to dive into, but uh, my mouth. Oh, (laughs) I just didn't know if you had studied it at all or or had any interest in that. So originally in Kabbalistic aspect, you have to be 40 years old. No, uh, Chomash Nevim, Ketavim, Tom, uh, Mishnah, Gomorrah, Midrashim, from, all that mm-hmm. 40 years old and have two kids a male and a female boy and a girl but the thing is you can know the bible like we all know in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth mm-hmm. you know brashi fire elohim the beginning words of the torah mm-hmm. you have to know all that you have to know mishnah gomorrah all that which is the talmud which is the oral torah which is 47 42 tractates i want to say so when you say know it you mean you have to have it memorized not memorized you have to know it to the point that you can debate it i see and then then you can dive deeper into kabbalah now what is kabbalah kabbalah means to receive Mm -hmm. kabbalah is hebrew to receive now the thing is there's more to it than just course every jew learns a little kabbalah because that's what gets us to learn more if we're not observant Mm -hmm. but there's a there's an old uh proverb not proverb more of a um saying that when people learn kabbalah and they don't know typical torah they go crazy Mm -hmm. and that's the that's a that's a risk that a lot of people don't realize that you can look up Kabbalist texts from different rabbis who 
wrote in English. I mean, I can tell you Rabbi Ari Kaplan, he's, he's written many books. He's written the Sefer Yasera, uh, all these other Kabbalistic books, but he gives it such a simple format that if you don't know what he's talking about, you get excited. But if you know what he's talking about, you learned it, you already can understand it deeper than the typical non-Jew. Yeah. And it's a, it's a risky um, journey that some people take. You know, that's interesting. And I could see why it would, why, why it would affect your mind like that. But it's not just a Kabbalah, but there's other, um, I guess, you know, inner, inner teachings around the world where you, you hear something similar. You know, basically, if you're not ready for it, it will have a negative impact on you. Mm-hmm. So that's in- interesting to me that you say that. Yeah. And so, that's why I, that's why for any uh, listeners right now, if you want to learn Kabbalah and you're not Jewish, you can get the books, but you probably may or may not understand it. Mm-hmm. I would, I can't advise against it or for it because it's a, we all have free will. What I can say is, Jews who know Kabbalah will not teach you Kabbalah because you're not Jewish. I don't want to get into the whole rabbit hole and the whole deal of why not, because that's a whole journey and talk that's outside this conversation. Mm-hmm. But if you want to learn esotericism, there's books about it, but just be careful. Just, um, just be careful. That's all I'm going to say. I think with things like what we're discussing, even if you had the most learned rabbi, you know, the, the, just whoever, see, I don't know who you'd even say like the top has ever been like, as far as Kabbalah goes, but even if you had them in this conversation and they were just to tell you like the most divine truth they've ever discovered, no one would know what he's talking about. No one would understand, you know, and it's the same thing. It's the same thing with, um, with, with Freemasonry in my, my opinion is that you know the the true secrets of freemasonry you can't you can't share and the reason isn't because it's like a secret or anything is it's some truths have no meaning until you discover it yourself until until you get to that point where you understand it so even even if you knew like you know the most the most um sobering truth that ever anyone had ever spoken if no one's ready for it it doesn't matter. It's just going to fall on deaf ears. Right. And you said something great that even if you understand it, even if you learned it, it doesn't mean anything until you actually understand it for yourself mm-hmm. where your actions uh, walk like a plum. Mm-hmm. We all can be told that, but it doesn't mean anything. It means Jack schnitzel um, until <laughs> you actually learn it yourself. Yeah. And that's what's true. That even falls back. That even applies. You know, I also, you mentioned that um, you went through your degrees relatively quickly. You learned the work pretty fast. And I, I was what, against it. Do what now? I was advised against it originally. Oh, yeah. See, nobody advised me, and I went through it, I think, maybe a month later, longer than you. I mean, I wouldn't. But I had some good teachers around me also. But at that point, when you go that quickly – you're just learning words at that point. Right. You know, it's, it's you're not necessarily 
uh, embodying that in yourself. You're not necessarily growing from just learning the words. And so it's kind of the, it's kind of the same idea, I think, in that until you actually learn what you're, ta- what you're saying, you know, until you actually meditate and reflect, you know, what does this actually mean? What, how does this apply to me? You're just memorizing words. Anybody, anybody can memorize, can memorize words, but, and that's what I think really differentiates the members from the Masons because you have lots of members out there and they can memorize the words, but the Masons are the ones that are actually bringing that into themselves. They're actually growing from what they're learning. That's, and I would consider myself one of the members. And I, of course, as a Mason, but I I have, there's times that I don't feel like I'm acting like a Mason when I should. And you're right. And uh, you said that people memorize the words. And not to get on a tangent on the religious aspect, but we all go to synagogue, church, mosque, whatever. We're reading out of a scripture book. Mm-hmm. We're reading the words. How many times do we actually take the words and internalize them and act upon the words? I think the, the fact that you that yeah. you contemplate that means you uh, need to give yourself more credit than you do. I mean, we can read commentary on our prayers mm-hmm. um and there's books and books and books upon commentary and there's times that and i'm going to say one thing that's a little kabbalistic that rabbi ari kaplan wrote in jewish meditation that actually the old sages the old kabbalist the old mystics mm-hmm. said prayer pray the shemona esrei which is the amida which is eight 18 now, nine, well, it's 19 prayers, but Amida Shmona Esrei is 18 in Hebrew. The main uh, lengthy prayer in Judaism, and it would take them, they would take seven minutes for every word because every word is a powerful within itself. How do you, say, how do you say one word seven minutes long? You say the word, but you don't, but you wait around seven minutes until you say the next one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it, and then he said, if you can't do that, you do seven minutes for each prayer and you break that down and, and people would do that. Now, just imagine a prayer that you say every day, even thank you God for letting me live. Mm -hmm. Imagine just breaking that down. Thank you. Stop. Eternalize it. Thank you. God, the great architect of the universe, for making me, me of all people, I woke up this morning. I could have died in my sleep, but I'm awake today. Live. A simple thank you prayer can mean so much. And now imagine if that prayer times 20 and you have like 20 more of those prayers that you're saying every day you can stop and think there's a in judaism we have a prayer before we drink water before we eat and i actually had uh when i went to yeshiva in israel i met a great guy 
He's actually from South Africa, so I loved his accent because, I mean, Americans have the worst accents ever. I'm from Texas, y'all. Um, and he actually said, "We." I said a bracha, a prayer, for a bagel. And he goes, stop. Think about what you're saying. And he broke down each thing, and it just meant a lot. Mm-hmm. So we all can stumble through our prayers when we go to church on Sundays, synagogues on Friday night, Saturday, mosques on Friday. But we need to stop and think on the prayers. And as a past chaplain of my lodge, I actually now can look back and wish I would have taken my time to say the prayers. Even the same prayers that we say every month for state meeting, mm-hmm. broke that down and think and like, Thank you for letting us be here because we're all driving to Lodge. How many people get in the car wrecks every day? But we actually got to be at our Lodge to be there. Just being at the destination, we should say a prayer like, thank you. And the masonry were taught before any great undertaking, thank the Supreme Architect. Mm-hmm. And as a religious person, I think we need to think about that and go back to and thank God for letting us live and say a prayer when we wake up. Thank you for letting me wake up this morning. Just my little No, I like that a lot. I do. And, um, you know, I, uh, I was raised Baptist. And so growing up, you know, young, going to going to Bible schools on, on Sunday uh, on during the summers and stuff, you know, it's not unusual, you know, from an early age, you know, here, you got to learn the Lord's Prayer, you know, learn, learn this. And even in like, uh, like commandery, we, we still use that a lot. But those are, those are some, those words are significant in that prayer, right? There is, there is meaning to that prayer. But when you, when you learn it, and it's just part of something you learn growing up and you, you recite it. You just, you could recite the whole thing, and I've been guilty of it, you know, because I uh, I usually try to recite it like when I'm going to work and stuff, and yeah. and you could I could recite the whole thing driving without really <coughs> knowing I'm done, you know I could start it and just just to say it, but where's the those are just empty words at that point. You're you saying know? it wrote. Yeah, you're just saying it wrote, it, but so I try to be mindful of what I'm saying, you know, mm-hmm. by the same mentality because because. You're just doing lip service if you're not paying attention to what you're saying. You know, if you're not actually, to me, like I like to visualize the things I'm thankful for, the things I'm talking about. And, and there's so many things like that, even, even outside of prayer and in the fraternity, you know, the, the words in the ritual and in the degrees, they're powerful. They have meaning. They're important, you know, and often we're guilty of just learning it and just going through the motions. But to me, every degree, every time we hear an obligation, that's an opportunity for us to reflect on our own obligations. Uh, there was a brother that I was talking to in a, a, a separate, a separate thing I do, and he was talking. I think he's in Alabama or South Dakota, and he was saying uh, when when everyone's taking the obligation in the degrees, everyone else stands up and places their their hand over their heart, and which we don't do in Texas, right? No. And he was saying, 
you know, the reason that they do that is because they're all retaking that same obligation because not only is that guy obligating himself to the fraternity, but we are obligating ourselves to that brother as well. And mm-hmm. so the words have power. The words are, the words are important. And when we just zone out, when we're just on our phones, you know, we're just, we're, we're not, we're not tuned in like we need to be. And that applies to, that applies to so many things, you know, even as, as a, uh, as a, as a Freemason, you know, as a, as a, as a Christian or a Jew, or even as like a parent, you know, it's, it's important that, that we're, that we're there, you know, mentally and focusing on what we're doing. But I also want to say, uh-huh. you know, when you said, when you said, you know, sometimes you feel like just a member and truthfully, truthfully, I don't always feel like I'm the best Freemason I can be. You know, I don't always feel like I'm the best, uh, uh, father I can be or the best you know anything you know any role I often I often feel as though am I really holding myself to that standard that I try to and I think that's what really that's what separates the the people that are stagnant in their in their different roles in life and the people that are growing so I don't think a member you know but based off the definition we talked about earlier would, yeah. would ever really give that a whole lot of thought you know am I really being the best mason I am, that I can am I am I really Am I really growing? Because those thoughts them by themselves give way to to growth. And with being um, one of the the questions that 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 Masons ask new potential recruits, not recruits. Uh, yeah, recruits is, it's yeah. a horrible word. I um, visitors. There you go. Sure. Um, do you are you of age? Do you believe in a higher power? And do you have free will? Mm-hmm. Now, of age, yeah. Uh, are you physically of age? Like I said, I was twenty six then. I was eighteen mentally, but I still check mark both boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, do you believe in a higher power? You got to think about that. We every day, as a mason, we are waking up and we're thinking. Am I being the best uh, theological self? Am I being the best Freemason? Mm-hmm. It's not just if you're not Freemason, then you're just working. You're just being the best theological person. Mason, you're being you're covering two bases. Mm-hmm. You almost have, we should almost work twice as hard to be the best Baptist, the best Jew, the best Methodist, Protestant. And also Freemason, and every and that's something that we all need to think about. And I'm guilty myself. You're guilty. Every brother's guilty. Mm-hmm. But we always have to work towards being the better person. Yes, that's and, what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, and um, and we all make mistakes. I mean, before when. To get on the tangent, you heard my EA uh, degree story, mm-hmm. um, and this is a and it's okay if I say this right now, right? Yeah, go ahead. It's fine. Okay, so this is uh, so I still get shit based on this. So in the changing room, I had a bro- I was in the changing room, and the brother said, "Okay, get undressed." 
to change into the outfit. And I told him, so there's a little problem here. <laughs> and this guy, he, uh, Brother Livingston, is very well known in Texas Freemasonry. He was my master of ceremonies, and he was like, wait, can you explain that? And I said, so you might want to step out of this room. And he was like, oh, no, no, no. He walked out. He, Alaire was informed, my dad heard, because he was there for my initiation. So without saying too much, I freeballed my EA degree. And to this day, we keep telling every new new recruit, new new EA, to please wear underwear. And so did they throw out the, uh, what, they got like the sweatpants or whatever, they throw those out after? No, actually, they took them in to the laundromat. <laughs> we need to get, you need to get new clothes. But yeah, to this day, six years later, I still get ridiculed for that. And I'm okay with that. Every time I tell that story, I'm, I've told that to other people. And to this day, um, yeah, every EA ha- has to wear underwear. They're reminded is a better answer. So there's two jokes that always go around with the EA. Uh, one of them usually has to do with uh, the goat jokes, and I don't like the goat jokes at all. But I don't have a problem with the joke telling them to wear clean underwear for that reason. Yeah, <laughs> and my dad said my dad was there before he passed away, and he, he was actually there for my racing. He raced me, um, and he said, "Sean, why didn't why did he not wear underwear?" And I told him, "Nobody told me that I'm going to be changing clothes." Mm-hmm. So I was informed of that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, well, as long as you didn't make the same mistake for your fellow crafting and masters, I guess it's... Oh, no, I did not make the same mistake, thank <laughs> God. Oh, that's funny, though. Man. <sighs> for anyone listening, if, yeah, I mean, you're probably still laughing over hearing that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so, with that said, uh, we're we're getting pretty close to, a, to an hour now. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I do enjoy this conversation, but uh, I know... Hey well be respectful every time and everything um real quick do you want to uh just quick reminder what what is the name of your of your group for any uh i know you only admit uh jewish brothers to it but if we if we have yeah. any you know do you want to throw that out really jewish freemasons the cover photo is you'll see uh tanakh english and hebrew on one side with the square encompasses and um there's you'll be asked three questions they're pretty simple ones if you're Jewish and a Mason. Um, and yeah, and we do a weekly Zoom meetings from with brothers around the world. And we'll just enjoy talking, getting to know everyone. And it's, a, it's growing. And I'm appreciative of all the brothers who participate and act upon it. That's very cool. Uh, I'll also mention, I don't always remember to mention this, but since we're talking about Facebook groups, if you don't follow uh, Improvement on, on Facebook, we do have a page, lots of content on there that doesn't, it's not quite uh, YouTube worthy, but it's still interesting. So uh, if you don't follow me on Facebook, be sure that you uh, give the page a like so you can keep up. 
I also post all my new uh, content on there. So uh, if you want to just kind of stay in the loop, that's a good way to do so. Uh, Brother Rothberg, it was a pleasure speaking with you tonight. And I do, I, I do hope we can have another conversation sometime in the future because I feel as though this has been very informative. I would I'd be more than welcome and love to have another conversation, Brother Jones. Great. Do you have anything you want to add or anything you'll say before we shut her down for the night? Um, just remember, before undergoing any great and audible undertaking, always invoke the aid of deity. There you go, brother. Thank you again. And uh, I will look forward to our next conversation. Take care, Same brother. Care. Me too.